with me, Noreen Mir. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's great to see you, Andrew Dembina. How are you doing this week? Very well, thanks, Noreen. Nice to see you too. Exactly. On in on a Thursday. What's going on? What's going on is that I'm going to be artsing around. Oh, you, were you waiting for me to say <laughs> yeah, it again? Yeah, I was. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be. Artsing around. around. That's great. And a brand new segment. So tell us, uh, remind our listeners once again, so what is Artsing Around? I know we heard you last week, yeah. a fantastic uh, chat you had uh, with VJ. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really nice. The thing is, Artsing Around is about all kinds of arts, from visual, that's painting and sculpture, etc., to the performances, all those different types of performances that you can normally get on stages. So that's, uh, you know, from drama to dance. And, and uh, poetry even, and, and even literary people. Exactly. Like poetry recited. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are, I mean, there are, there are so many different areas of creativity. And I think that when we conceived this, or when we chatted about it before it began um, last week with the, with the first feature, that... Um, uh, that we thought that it can have some scope. It, we, I mean, there's there's so many bands, you know. I mean, I used to present a reggae program, which I hope will come back one day. And uh, and it's uh, you know th that th there are these little genres and bubbles going on in Hong Kong that all qualify as arts. Really, it's all showing creativity, and we want to shine a bit of a light on some of these. Uh, in COVID times, it's not like there's nothing going on. Absolutely. And a lot of the times when people are sort of working from home and just sort of stuck indoors, what do they do? They turn to the arts yeah. for a bit of an outlet, yeah. escapism, and just a little bit of entertainment. Well, I joined, as you're saying, uh, a couple of groups on online um, where people set each other uh, tasks, arty tasks, uh, because I, I do come from a fine art background myself and I do like a bit of drawing and painting and printmaking. Those are my Brilliant. areas of hands-on stuff. Yeah. And Did you print the patterns on your shirt by any chance? <laughs> sorry, you didn't. <laughs> no, sorry, I was just, do I was just doing a, a silent mime there for a moment. <laughs> Another form of art. <laughs> um, I thought it looked very yeah. nice. Oh, thanks. Shame we're not on video yeah, this week. I know, week. not this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's, um, the challenges have been set by people to do a piece of art a day if they're in lockdown. I didn't do it quite to the daily routine but I did quite a few sketches that I wouldn't have otherwise done and I think it's like people who have become expert or at least fun bakers or whatever in other areas of life that, that some people if they used to enjoy drawing or painting and on some social media I've seen people that have actually done it for the very first time there's a group that I belong to um, which is a Facebook group and uh, there, there are some people who are first time artists and and their work is really pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I've got to say, sometimes uh, it will encourage people to maybe take up something that can become part of a work-life balance after this is well and truly over. Exactly, yeah. as, as a source of outlet. Because sometimes it's nice to, you know, after a stressful day, to have that creativity, uh, release it all through your paintings or whatever sculptures, whatever people want to do, it, or poetry even. Yeah, it is. And I think that people in Hong Kong, to be honest, can be a little... Uh, exhausted and over yes, overburdened over with work. Um, I, I mean, it's not like saying that Hong Kong is the only workaholic place in the world, but um, but I think that people 
before recent years, hadn't really given too much uh, priority or credibility among their friends to the arts. I think it. Was, I think you might be seen. 10 years ago as a bit weird even by some people if you went to a uh, a poetry group or a creative writing group or yeah. uh, or something like that or to or to a drawing workshop every week yeah. i think things have changed in a way absolutely because those were a bit more niche i mean they definitely had a, a big following but those were just amongst people who were already poets or already sort of in the arts mm. or for whatever reasons but now i think it's more what when somebody posts their own po poem on on facebook or any type of social media everybody's sort of blown away by how talent these yeah. hidden talents yeah. Are yeah. amongst people we in, know it, well indeed in fact last week not to repeat too much of it, but um, Vijay, uh, who I've known as an editor, we've worked a, a couple of times on different things years Vijay, ago. Vijay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, to, to just, uh, when I first saw, as a Facebook friend, him pull out this guitar and having quite a husky voice, and then with these uh, two other guys around the world, it's, uh, it's quite something. Amazing. People make an effort. Yes. So looking at what else has been going on around the world, um, the I think while the Hong Kong Museum of Art um, at uh, at the time uh, that we've that we're speaking and for the last few weeks and even a couple of months since our figures went up in Hong Kong, the uh, the newly refurbished uh, government-run museum, the uh, the Museum of Art, has been shut down, and. Um, while that's the case in Hong Kong, other places have got some functionality going on in their in their museums. I'm just going to mention a couple of those. I know not everyone might be jumping on a plane right now, but it's interesting to hear how other countries are faring because we hear about these tremendously large uh, figures of infections, and yet um, our art museum has been closed. Um, so um, while the uh, the rates in Hong Kong were slightly scary in the third wave, um, you know, it, they've been in extremely low numbers in the last part of it. And uh, uh, let's hope that uh, things resume, yeah, yeah that, that things continue in that way and that uh, the arts resume in their normal way. Meanwhile, the Museum of Modern Art, an icon in New York City, um, is working but its uh, capacity is um is is limited as 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 is the case for many but not all art museums around the world some of them are functioning uh, quite normally barcelona is an example of where a lot of art museums not all but most of the really great ones in barcelona are operating without much reduction um wow. but but with safeguards and security watching out for distances between people who are viewing artworks yeah. and so on in hong kong i've noticed a lot of galleries or a lot of uh, uh, case uh, showcases have have been uh, moved to online, uh, you know, virtual tours and whatnot here in Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're right, yeah. and that exists also with uh, some of the big museums in um, uh, art overseas. museums overseas. Yeah. In the UK, there was a great one, uh, an Andy Warhol exhibition at the Tate Gallery in London, um, which is now open to the public. But oh, for yeah. it was it, it was meant to be on during the whole summer, and as they'd hung the work. Um, they uh, they got the video cameras in there and uh, and made some really good 360 um, uh, sort of walk around at the pace that you would do it and watching it on a, a reasonably sized desktop computer monitor um, the experience isn't bad exactly uh, that might be the f future for for many people who may not even be able to afford to go yeah. to some of these quite uh, you know far away places exactly the only thing is though that uh, I've got to tell you that to get into the Tate Gallery or the Royal Academy two of the biggest ones in London at the moment, you're paying nearly £30 to get through the door yeah. to see an exhibition. So I'm not 
sure that they'll be giving that away for uh, for free. But maybe maybe you could pay a couple of English pounds yeah. to uh, to have access. That might actually be a way that you're not losing money, but you could still allow people from around the world to see it. Yeah, gosh, I forgot. Yeah, you have to pay to get in because in Hong Kong we're quite spoiled. They're yeah. all free. Yeah, or, or there's a nominal charge. Oh, yeah. These days, I think in the last few years, um, some of the... Uh, exhibitions that have been on, including a Picasso one that was on at the Heritage oh, yeah, Museum. Yeah, that's right. I went to see that one. Wasn't that fantastic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can tell you funny stories of that one, but never mind. Maybe off air. Oh. I remember feeling so angry <clears throat> at Picasso because I have this thing about art. <clears throat> I, I, I talk about it on the 123 show, but, you know, I've often sort of... Um, uh, shied away from it because art is a hard thing to talk about on the radio yeah. sometimes yeah um i remember okay back to the picasso exhibition i remember i went with ali howe and our friend dennis and i remember feeling so angry about it because i didn't understand some of his pieces oh did right. you feel like that well no because i learned about it oh. um i mean no, no only because i studied art history i mean exactly. it was uh, but many of us didn't no, study art no, and and no. some of these you know it's a bit abstract i remember looking at some of his sculptures and thinking well, what what's that supposed to mean, or what am I supposed to feel like? And and it made me feel angry. Okay. I don't know if any of our listeners feel. I'm not going to even sugarcoat it, but you know, sometimes. Wow. <laughs> Calm down, Nori. <laughs> Sorry. Well, who, who knew? Late review. Picasso's artworks can cause anger. It, it made me feel angry. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Well. Um, a lot of people do make the comment sometimes that uh, if something is abstract, like there's a there's an American painter called Mark Rothko, and he paints massive canvases. They're mostly maroon uh, canvas in very watered down or diluted oil paints, I should say, and then he paints black boxes or squares within these large maroon rectangular oh. canvases. And he's the sort of artist Why? who's um, who will get the question why um, or make people angry and say my kid could do that and it's kind of you know so there is there there is a uh, um, a theory that um that the art Provokes. should be well actually that that does provoke something you know there's a room though in the tate gallery in london called the rothko room um and um there have there have been different uh, rooms as in america they have they have one of those as well because that's where it's from and if you go in there it is superbly uh, relaxing because you've got these dark red colours. It's not oppressive. Big space with the black squares. They turn down the lights a bit and people go in there and there are kind of not sofas with backs on them but there are benches, like padded benches, and you are just absorbed. You're sitting in this uh, in this room full of warm colours because red is a warm colour yeah. that can make you feel quite cosy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and his intention was that people would be not seeing it in a newspaper or online article, but that people would be confronted with this thing. And it's not confronted in an aggressive way, it's in a calming way. Yeah. Um, and some of the abstract arts are the opposite of that. Jackson Pollock, who threw mm. uh, paint around on the floor, um, would not expect to have a a comforting, uh, laid-back experience by somebody um, who was in front of his paintings because they're splattered with colour, it's chaotic. Mm. And he, he was trying to... He did something called action paintings and he was trying to get people to feel a vibrancy from the way he had dripped and uh, cast his hand with a brush or sometimes dipped his hands and uh, sprayed and splattered canvases that were on the floor. Mm. Um, uh, traipsing around them at high speed, flinging paint on them, and he would like people to feel the the tension the and energy. the energy. Yes, exactly.
exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so, so different, um, you know. Different strokes for different folks. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Well, um, talk, talking about what's what, what's going on though in uh, around the world. So the the Museum of Modern Art and another one, the Guggenheim. That's another iconic New York museum. Um, uh, that one, the Guggenheim, is one of the few that are not open. It will start again in October. And it has made really clear that it won't open um, until it's really sure that the numbers have gone down. But so many in America are open, it's interesting, uh, but with down to 30% of the amount of people that are allowed to go in. And tickets must be booked online only. That's the same as in the Louvre in mm. Paris. Um, you can't walk into these places anymore. They, uh, they used to allow people to go and see the non-special exhibition. Some of them would have some free exhibits or some would be chargeable um, these days on the door. Um, more and more uh, people are being encouraged to pay for the upkeep of these museums rather than it being a, uh, um, you know, privately funded by members who join these galleries. Um, so the Louvre is open, and in Barcelona, um, arguably Spain's arty hub, because, I mean, Madrid, the capital, has got some fantastic museums, art museums as well. But um, Barcelona, did you ever go there? I've Marie? never no? been to Barcelona. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I was speaking to someone from there for a moment. Uh, well, yes, I yeah. thought I'd do the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Porque? No. Yeah, why not? So, I think that's what... I think Noreen says she hasn't been there, but why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, uh, you know what? You, with your I'd young kids... Yeah. With your young kids, there would be some amazing things to see there in uh, normal times. There's a, a sculptor called Gaudi who made these mosaic sculptures sculptures covered with mosaics there's a garden that, that that kids your age or slightly older i went with my son when he was uh uh just over 10 years old and he loved it yeah. it was it's so wacky um and uh, this um this this sculptor and artist gaudi he also uh made the main cathedral in um uh, he's actually designed these impossibly narrow spiky um uh towers of a cathedral called the uh, Sagrada de Familia. It's, it's, the, it's the iconic landmark. It looks like a, almost like an upturned hand with fingers uh, <laughs> pointing to the sky. Um, so it, it's, a it's a place that you should go and most of the galleries there right now are still open. There's, uh, um, there's also a Picasso museum which is uh, um, a house where he once lived for a while. Oh, yeah, like I'll don't be mention, doing that but yeah, okay, <laughs> you can give that a miss and see all the Gaudi stuff with your kids. Um, also, in in Barcelona, there's a uh, there's a, a museum called the Gallery Mayoral, which is open right now, and that's got modern art from after the Second World War, and it's all Catalan and Spanish artists mostly. So Miro is another famous uh, Spanish artist, um, and. It is something that uh, they, they're, they're not really reducing the numbers in at the moment. Singapore, the National Gallery is open and in full swing. After it opened section by section a while ago, there are, uh, there are now... Uh, every area of the gallery is now open. Um, of course, there are other galleries that I haven't mentioned. I'm not going to just give you the whole, the whole rundown. People can find that out easy enough online. But, uh, but we hope that, uh, that we'll see more opening both the, uh, the government-funded ones and the small commercial galleries, which at the moment uh, for some time have been closed because of the uh, restriction on having more than two people going around doing things together. But staying in the world of fine art... Um, 
I can see in the background, I'm just pausing for a moment before I go on to the next segment. I, I've just seen Noreen has just sketched something, which hopefully she'll, uh, she might be able to put on, on Facebook <laughs> or something. And it's her version. Yeah. And it's actually not a bad little sketch there. Oh, if I was wanting to um, explain to someone what a, what a typical Picasso uh, face looks like, I would say that uh, Noreen's done two drawings on a piece of uh, paper here. It's you and the, me. The top one. Oh, right. Well, like Picasso, I wouldn't have necessarily known um, who the characters were, but that's, that's even better. I love that. Now I know that. It's, um, so <laughs> Noreen and I, you must, you must put this up somewhere for people to see. But sure. Picasso was a cubist, but we'll go into him and we'll go into your favourite Spanish artist another time because uh, I, want, I want to talk about something that's uh, on Instagram at the moment that's been up since March. Staying in uh, the world of fine art again, uh, on artsing about this week and um it's uh, um a sad state of affairs artists more than many other uh professions musicians as well um have been very hard hit by covid and someone came up with a brilliant idea uh, an artist a painter matthew burrows from sussex in england decided to set up something uh it was. It started with a hashtag, a hashtag that goes artist support pledge. So it's those three words together, hashtag artist support pledge, and it's proved to be a lifeline for some artists in the UK and beyond. Uh, the, the idea for this is that anyone can put up a picture. Uh, it seems to be mostly two-dimensional, so I haven't seen sculpture or other types of art, but a painting, a drawing, or some kind of 2D art um, that costs under 200 pounds so that's let's say around 2000 or a bit over 2000 hong kong dollars at the moment and um and they can try and sell them on there mm -hmm. and it and, and it's it, it seems to work in instagram i mean it's designed for instagram but i checked it out recently and a lot of these artists are trying to point people towards the instagram uh hashtag by by posting on twitter facebook uh with the same hashtag artist support pledge and so far, um, bearing in mind that these, this is a not high ticket cost for under £200 per artwork, so far this uh, hashtag idea has brought in um, £60 million. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. March. Yeah, and most of those artists started in the UK, but as it spread, um, there are people around the world that have also been putting up their artwork. It's a really positive idea, yeah. um, and it's providing artists with income that they might find almost impossible without, especially once in lockdown. It started within lockdown. Mm. So uh, they, um, uh, they have, if they buy, sorry, if they sell four pieces of those, um, then they, uh, they have to buy a piece from another artist. So that's the that's the deal. It's like a pay it forward scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that and that has actually helped generate more sales, wow. and it's helped to give artists the inspiration to put more works up there online. So it's uh, the the person who founded it said that uh, that he had to actually give some of his own free time. Remember, this guy was a painter, and he had to stop doing that to uh, to start. He was getting so much traffic from people putting uh, works up that he was having to. Uh, uh, spend his time um, really dealing with communications that were coming through this. He felt responsible for getting it started. And for um, to offset technical costs, there was an intervention by Google 
Google got in touch, Google Arts and Culture Department, and they partnered with him for 48 hours to help him get his technical um, self together because he was coming from someone who was just trying to do something on social media. So that was very kind of them. They just heard of this phenomenon, which has been doing the rounds of the art community. And um, he added, the man who started it, Matthew Burroughs, that um, he didn't notice a ripple through the art world of commercial galleries, but he wanted to say in um, uh, a statement that he made online that this was never an intention to cut out the galleries. He just wanted to do something. He said, at this price, um, the galleries don't often deal with many works of art that are £200 and less, so he doesn't feel like he would be a threat to the galleries. So he thinks it will help them in a way, because some of the artists may also have works in these galleries, and then there'll be a knock-on domino effect. So there's something that's nice and positive from that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, live performance, another matter um, in the arts, so that's across uh, theatre, dance and music, is, is essentially, mostly, still on pause around the world. Um, there were, of course, especially in, let's say, uh, cooler climates that have summer, the Northern Hemisphere, um, they would have had a lot of outdoor concerts, a lot of outdoor performances. Most of those didn't happen. Um, while classical and pop or... Uh, um, modern types of music have been putting themselves online. They've been doing, so some bands or solo artists have been doing something as they had concerts cancelled. They'd be then uh, either doing a live uh, transmission online for their fans, not charging for it a lot of the time, uh, and then it would go up on YouTube afterwards and people can still see it. Now, that's been a nice phenomenon that still happened, um, uh, just to, to fit in there. But um, two weeks ago, or two weeks or so, maybe a bit longer, in the middle of August, restrictions were lifted in the UK, one place, where concerts could be staged, mostly with solo, it was asking for solo acts to come together um, uh, to see if they could, uh, uh, sorry, not to come together, but to perform on their own in different locations. And there was, I don't know if you saw any videos or, or stills on social media, but there were these little platforms where people were sitting. There was a, a con an open-air concert, one of the first in the UK was in Sheffield, and there were these little platforms with two chairs and a little table. The rule was that people were not allowed to stand. Um, <laughs> people had to sit down. And now this is continuing in the UK, with, and they're just starting to allow indoor concerts to happen. But what? Yeah, but some of the restrictions, because it has to be everything... Uh, between two seats has to be a metre uh, or so apart. Mm. Um, the, uh, the the numbers are down to between 25 and 30% of what the mm. capacity would be. Mm. Um, the Albert Hall in London is thinking of uh, having uh, concerts um, in there, but they, they will only be able to have around 40% capacity mm. because of uh, allowing for empty seats in between people. So... Um, it's uh, in, the, in Northern Ireland, though, something's happening that's quite interesting in Belfast because that's part of the UK as well. While restrictions have been lifted, they're going to have a, and I know you love the way I say this word, a theatre <laughs> performance <laughs> um, in someone's private house, not in, a, not in an not actual in a auditorium. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. a private, wow, in yeah. somebody's house. They are. They're going to have it in someone's house and it's going to feature an ex-TV uh, actor who played Doctor Who, um, one of the older Doctor Who's, Christopher Eccleston, uh, who's, who's from Belfast. Um, and they are going to play something in different... They're going to put on something for a limited number of audience. They haven't said how many yet. In October, uh, a new theatre company was formed called the Post-Corona uh, Theatre 
um, group, and they are going to perform in different uh, rooms of, of a quite a stately mansion, from what I can understand from uh, a report that was in the BBC. Meanwhile, in Indonesia, during a period of high C19 infections, an audience enjoyed in Jakarta a drive-in style concert where a local pop band played while everyone, while the audience sat in their cars in pristine lines that were kept in order by security uh, with spaces between cars uh, while the band performed for two whole hours. That was on August the 29th. Wow. During a time of quite high figures. Okay, people were in their cars, but um, yeah. it's interesting. But they'd have to, I mean, I don't know how hot it is in Indonesia right now, but they'd either have to have their windows rolled down to get some fresh air or they'd have to sit there with their AC on. With idling engines. Yeah, that's oh. not so good for two hours, is it? No. Well, Normally for drive-in films, I think people tune in uh, via their uh, in-car radio. Yeah. I'm not sure how it worked. Maybe they could do it through their phones or, or radio. Mm. That wouldn't be too good, though, watching a band through your phone audio, would it? <laughs> you may as well be sitting in at home yeah. on your big screen rather than driving uh, your or, car. Or trying to see through the car in front. <laughs> how did that work, Noreen? <laughs> but, you know, it's a spirit of things. People just want to, you know, people are fed up of being under lock down okay well i've got i've got uh, something else to mention here um we've we've talked about a few different things that are going on around the world art festivals while we might think this is a no-go um you know to be planned in recent times something major went on in in darwin in uh, the northern territories in australia um in from august the 6th to the 16th um they held what they have, have an, as an annual uh, arts festival when the pandemic broke out, um, they weren't sure if they could have it or not, but they decided to go ahead. And amazingly, um, tickets were 95% sold for all the acts that they had put in. There was dance, uh, there were musical bands, they had distancing regulations all in place, and they uh, actually had to book some extra acts. Uh, they're 95% full on all the acts they had, and they had to book some more. Yeah. The, the people just wanted no overseas acts, of course, but it was all local acts. Normally, the biggest ticket uh, puller was uh, uh, overseas acts that they get in at this annual festival in Darwin at the top of uh, top end of, of Australia every every year. But in this case, um, it, it worked, and it's, it might seem a bit of a funny one, a bit like the Indonesian story <laughs> of people in their cars. We'll see but, how it plays out. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed. That uh, the infections don't ensue and that the arts prevailed. Exactly. Well, Andrew Dambina, it's so great to see you again this week. Thank you so much uh, for your sharing for this week's Artsing Around. And you'll be back again next Thursday after the 2.30 News. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Noreen.